You're listening to another New Hope Chapel podcast. Hi, this is Justin Hibbard, pastor of New Hope Chapel. I wanted to thank you for listening to this message from our teaching team, and I pray that God uses it to touch your heart. Good morning. My name is Steve Coleman. I'm one of the six members of the teaching team here at New Hope Chapel. We're here today to talk about the uh, last message in a series on Philippians. Uh, It's not the last section of Philippians. Because of snow, we had some shifts in the schedule, so it ends up being a passage from the middle of Philippians, but perhaps it's going to turn out to be a better and more fitting end to the series than uh, ending on the last section. In any event, we're going to let um, Philippians 2, 12 through 16 give us that last word on the series. The theme that we found in the book of Philippians is that Paul is... um, writing about living in light of heaven. What does it mean to be uh, a citizen of heaven, to live on this earth? Uh, What's God looking for from us? What is God doing for us and on our behalf? How should we live? So let's start. If you have your Bibles with me, you may turn to Philippians 2, and we'll read it starting verse 12. Therefore, my friends... As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Let's pray. We thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. And we ask for um, you to speak through this to us today uh, that we might uh, please you more and become more like your dear son. In your name, amen. There's a lot in this passage, and uh, as with with any passage, and the other speakers can tell you, that goes beyond about one verse, there's no way of getting it all in, in a message. But we're going to chip away at parts of it, and uh, things that God has in this for us, and that will help us sort of focus in one final time on the theme of Philippians. The first thing I notice, just sort of glancing at this passage is that Paul, writing to the Philippians, is commending them for always, you've always obeyed. So they've been doing some good things. Second thing is that there's both a work out and a works in here. So something's happening in the Philippians, or in us, we take these, this passage as God's word to us. Something's working in us, God's working in us, and we're continuing to work out our salvation. And that these two things are related. We work out for or because God's working in us. Well, keeping these things in mind, Paul begins with, Telling them, as you have always obeyed. Well, what, what good things had they been doing? 
And I, I said, let me go through the book and find all the good things they were doing. And, um, and then after I wake you all up, we could finish the message. Uh, I was lucky in that the first few verses gave us some real insight into that already. Paul, in the very opening, verse 4, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for you, for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That sounds like they were doing good things in Paul's eye. Then he said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you would carry it on to completion in the day of Christ. That sounds like God working in them. So we're, 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 we're getting sort of a foreshadowing here of what Paul says in chapter 2. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be clean and without offense for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. So I'm reading here, participation in the gospel, abounding love, knowledge and insight, a lot of good things they're doing. And the results coming, that they have a lot more discernment and they are filled with the fruit of righteousness. I think these, actually what Paul has introduced his book with and has themes that travel through through Philippians, little minor themes, all are talking about these kinds of activities that represents obedience, that represents working out this salvation in our lives. They help us understand what's involved with it. It's really a transformation of our lives, how we live them out, the process of seeing us behave and live as the citizens of heaven we are. You know, transformation is an elegant word. To get real and to get a little closer to home, I always hear the word change when I hear that. Working out your salvation equals transformation, which equals change. Sounds great to be transformed. Doesn't sound like as much fun to change. We like our comfort. We like being where we are. We don't like the work sometimes that's involved in that. But God wants us to change. And I think the Bible uses the word transformation on purpose when it talks about our transformation into the character of Christ. And that is another use of the word. We're actually coming up onto this in our 10 a.m. study on the book of Matthew, but Christ gets transfigured. And it says, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes were whiter than white. Well, what happened? What did people... With this, tra- uh, with, with this transfiguration. What did people see when Jesus lived on the earth for 33 years? Did they see... Uh, what's that slide? Did they see a guy with a halo on his head walking around? Was there kind of a glow to him? No, they saw an ordinary person. Now, make... Make no mistake that you could not be in Jesus' presence very long before you were aware that this was no ordinary man. But you couldn't tell by looking at him 
that here was somebody different. So what happened when he was transfigured? He, was, he was, uh, had a human nature, but he was also God. So what happened was what was on the inside came outside. You know, the Greek word is a word from which we derive our English word metamorphosis. So we're all familiar with that from fourth grade. You know, the caterpillar that eats his filled leaves and then goes into a cocoon, chrysalis, and then emerges as a wholly different creature entirely. Beautiful, just to put a fine point on it. Starting out as a caterpillar, ending up as a beautiful butterfly. Well, uh, that word, transfigure, like I say, is that word that, that it's, it's metamorpho, is the verb, and it actually is the same word that's used when the Bible talks about us changing, about us not being conformed to the world, but being transformed. Same word. So we're to be transfigured. What's on the inside needs to come on the outside. Does that mean we're going to glow? No, in a different sense. Uh, we're going to, what's going to come out is not what Steve Coleman typically says and does, but the character of Christ is going to come out. And actually, he might say some things that are encouraging, that build people up. Uh, he might do things that will help with the gospel and help with growing the kingdom and help with the uh, edification of, of the people. That's how we'll see that transformation happen. You see, God works in us. That's what Philippians says here. And we, we're given a new nature. And he has as his purpose for us to be transformed. And Philippians says, we're supposed to work out this salvation. And we work it out, well, in our devotion to Christ. So there probably should be an arrow going back to God. But I've just represented it here as the stuff that we say and do to people around us. Because, let's face it, we're stuck with all the people that are around us. And so that's where we see it come out. That's where we see it happen. And the results, according to Philippians, is that our character becomes that of Christ's. So this is the process that Paul's laying out here. Uh, it's couched in some different terms, but that's sort of how it lays out. There's an inside new life that God wants it to see full expression in what we do. Well, if we're going to work out our salvation, if we're going to obey God, well, what, is that, what did that mean in context to the Philippians? A quick scan of the book, and you can see that Paul talks about it's more important that Christ is preached than that his prison term is made more comfortable or shorter. Wow, that's an amazing shift in values, isn't it? I'd be looking to get out. Paul said, you know... To die and be with Christ is a great thing, and I'm looking forward to that. But to stay here with you is probably better for you, so I'm torn. But I'll stay and work to build in your lives. What an example. They were told to contend for the faith of the gospel without being frightened. Why? Because it's God who works in them. They don't need to be frightened. He says in the passage that just precedes this, and Carl spoke on this a month or so ago, 
But he said, in humility, consider others better than yourself. And I suppose what that really means is as opposed to being irritated, angry, or even apathetic toward others. That's what Christ-likeness looks like. That's how we should be working out salvation. That little passage goes on to say we should have the attitude of Christ. And then it talks about Christ, what he did. He did not hold on to heaven, the glories of heaven, but became a man. And then as a man, he humbled himself, became a servant, and became even obedient to death. In other words, willing to die. And why? For us. Did did all that for us. Those steps down. We're to be filled with the fruit of righteousness, blameless and pure. Paul said we should be like Timothy. He said, I have no one like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Everybody is interested in their own welfare, not wholly for the welfare of others. He said he was going to press toward the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He listed out all the things that somebody could have confidence in in the flesh. And he said, just like Jesus didn't hang on to what was due him in heaven, his place there at that time, to come down to be a man, Paul says all these human accomplishments, they're like refuse. They're like garbage for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus. Paul also says, take a note of those who live according to Paul... Uh, to Paul's pattern, because there are others that live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory is in their shame. They mind earthly things. Living in the light of heaven, living in the light of earth, minding earthly things. And then he finishes chapter 4, the end of chapter... Through three, you're a citizen of heaven, eagerly wait for the Savior from heaven. Take joy in the Lord, be gentle with others, learn to be content in your circumstances, whatever they are. That's a tough one. Uh, Dealing with circumstances, one of my go-to tools is to complain about them. Sort of gets it off my chest. Paul says, learn to be content if you really want to do this. Well, there was this language that he had in there. Uh, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I looked at that a lot. I got a lot of notes on that to talk about it. And I think instead of talking about that, let me talk about the God who works in us. One of the best ways we understand his sheer power is to observe creation. He spoke, and we have the world we see around us today. All of the beauty of the mountains and meadows, tornadoes and tigers, clouds and caverns, waterfalls and whales, islands and individual snowflakes, ostriches, caribou and canyons, palm trees and porcupines, glaciers and gold, everything that captivates us or amazes us, he planned and spoke into existence. With a breath, He breathed life into Adam, and Adam became a living soul. Isaiah tells us who you're going to compare to God. 
Look at the heavens. Who created all these? The one who brings out the stars one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. Psalmist says, our God's in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Writer of the Hebrews says, he upholds all things by the word of his power. God keeps things going by his word. You and I take this next breath because he allows us to do that. He gives us that breath. We see his power in the Exodus, plague after plague, over control over nature and life. Frogs, gnats, flies, disease, boils, and on, including the death of the firstborn child in all of Egypt. He led Israel through the Red Sea. And then just as impressively, while Pharaoh's chariots thundered down in that same opening, that same dry riverbed, he closed the seas over them. The horse and rider he's thrown into the sea. Jesus stilled the waters, demonstrated complete and utter control over Satan and the demons. He healed diseases, gave sight to the blind where there was none, gave sight, raised the dead, and forgave sins. It's not just his raw power, but it's his holiness too. He thundered from Mount Sinai, lightnings, earthquake, thick cloud, and smoke. Isaiah, when he had an opportunity to see in a vision the Lord, he said he was overwhelmed. Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King of kings, the Lord of hosts. And this is the God that works in us. He can come in and thunder in our lives. In spite of the weight of all of our sins, God raised Jesus from the dead. And Paul writes, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you will know what the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. All that power to create and keep the universe in place. The one with the power over life and death. The almighty God who spoke the worlds into existence. The one who thunders from Sinai also comes into our small world and speaks to us with a quiet voice. It is God who works in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I get a better sense of fear and trembling when I think about God and the fact that it's that God who says, I have a purpose. I want to do things in your life. And I'm here to work in your life. He spoke to create the things on this earth, and he's going to work in our lives. The fear and trembling 
isn't, isn't the horror-filled fear. And it's not used that way in Scripture all the time. It's used for both. The fear of something horrible and the fear of something that's very real and very, very big. You know, I've seen people win cars on television shows or being or surprised with lottery jackpot checks. And, and these are folks that have trouble staying on their feet. They're trembling. They're crying. They've got their hands over their face. If you had no sound, if you were watching, you would say they just found out their family was wiped out. We have that same reaction. Reaction of shock and the incredible that we can't wrap our minds around. I think fear and trembling covers that. I think of another scenario. Maybe you said one day to somebody, you know, it would be fun to just take some more time out for basketball. I've heard of these basketball camps for old fuddy-duds like me where you can go and there's a pro or two that shows up and for a weekend you get to sort of hang around with them and feel good about your basketball self. (laughs) And on Christmas instead, that person shows up and said, well, I'm a little richer than I've let on to be, so here's my gift to you. I'm building a basketball stadium for you. Perfect hardwood floors, baskets, the whole works, and all the maintenance people for that, the folks that take care of the shot clock and everything. So you can play basketball anytime you want on this. But, you know, providing the court, that's a good thing. But, you know, I really want you to have the, ex- the, the experience. So, for five years, you're going to have a representative from any three sports equipment companies you want that will live there at the court. So, anytime you want, you can go over to the court and say, you know, I'd like a pair of basketball shorts like this, this color. Or, as ball isn't, can you get me a better ball? Bang, you'll have the ball. Anything you want. And, you know, basketball is, you can play individually. I did that a lot when I was young. I used to win that way more. But we like to do it with our friends. So uh, I'm going to give you a set of friends. And um, I was thinking of, well, you know, any coach in any college or pro league, I'm going to hire them for five years to live at the stadium. And you can go anytime you want and say, hey, I'd like a little teaching now or training. I have, I have a few hours today, Saturday. Can you, can you instruct me more? And why don't we give you, I can hire a basketball team, pro, but only for one year. They have they like to play in the NBA. But for one year, I'll buy it, pay them. They'll live at the stadium. Anytime you want, you walk in the stadium, and there they are, knock on their doors. They'll get up, they'll play with you. They'll forego. I've paid them so they can forego a year of competing in the NBA. Would, 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 would that help you get better at basketball and have a nice experience this year with it? I mean, that, the sense of awe 
about that. I'd be afraid <laughs> to, to go play on that, on that floor or with those people. It's like, they're here for me? But that's what God says. He's going to work in us. The God of the universe is working actively on our behalf, but he's also available to us when we want. That's what that's the scope of what's being talked about here in Philippians 2. Living in the light of heaven. And you've got God on your side working that way. Well, what should we do about that? If we're done shaking and, you know, crying and all those things that we might tend to do if we really, really understood that. But what, what should we do? Well, you know, we have a lot of things in our lives. We've got gods in our life. We just learned about that. We have people in our lives. We have relatives. We have friends. We have people that we have to work with. We have people that we have to deal with in the grocery store or elsewhere. We have the people here at New Hope Chapel that we see once a week or more. We've got people. We have events, things that happen in our life. And we say, well, I've got some good things happening in my life. And then we say, I've got some bad things in my life. But we have all kinds of events, things in our life. We've got the Old Testament, which we focus on here sometimes in our speaking. We have the New Testament. We have prayer. We can pray to God. Those are all... We have the study of the Bible. We need to obey the things we read. And we have the promise here in Philippians of God working in us. What should we do? I think step one is we need to connect the dots. All these things, all the people in our lives, all the events, our study of the Bible, our prayer, we need to be connecting the dots and seeing how they're part of this big picture of God wanting us to live in the light of heaven. That he's doing something. He's working in us to create Christ's likeness. And he's called us to obedience in working out our salvation. And then he gives us all kinds of principles in the New Testament and Old Testament for, okay, here's how you do it. Oh, see this guy? He didn't do it very well. Look what happened to his life. Okay, look at what Israel did here. Ah, not so good. We've been given all of that. We need to connect the dots. We have the Holy Spirit, the Word, salvation, righteousness, truth, faith, all the armor of God, and prayer. We need to see that these things are connected. And number two, I think in the same way that God is working in us to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose, I think we need to do that same kind of work with our part, working it out. In other words, have a good purpose to it. Have intentionality. We need to intentionally realize this requires change. You can't encounter a transcendent God and understand who He is without creating the requirement that you change. So we should work with intentionality, with purpose, with, as Philippians would say, a heavenly-mindedness to change, 
knowing that God's at work doing the same thing, but on the, our inner person. But you know, we, got, we have to remember, God's also working out there. So all the people in our lives, all the events in our lives, he's working to bring those into our lives with the same intentionality and purpose. So our part really boils down to obey, be faithful with what God tells us, with what we're supposed to do. Partnership with God means change. And he wants to partner with us in the change process, in changing us, us becoming more like the character of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, what Philippians 2 says to us. And we are grateful, more than grateful, for who you are and that you think of us, that we are, that each of us is someone that's on your mind and that you care for us, you purpose to work in us, you do work in us with your mighty arm. Thank you in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to New Hope Chapel's podcast. Located in Arnold, Maryland, New Hope Chapel is a small expression of the much larger body of Christ that spans across the world. We're a group of believers helping each other on our lifelong journeys to become like Jesus. While we have a variety of distinctives that make us a unique church, our main desire is to be God's church, to love Him, follow Him, to learn from Him, to let Him lead us and change our lives. We are His disciples and He is our rabbi. Join us in the story that God is writing called New Hope Chapel. To learn more about our church, visit us at newhopechapel.org or check us out on Facebook slash newhopechapelmd. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts and iTunes. Music kindly provided by the least of these. Thanks again for listening and God bless.